All right, welcome everybody. Uh, once again, this is uh, Jim Barton with Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. I'm here with Reverend Abigail Conley, and we are going to talk about the story of Balaam. Um, so here are the bones of, of, that, of that story. Um, the Israelites have come out of Egypt, and um, they've sort of stopped their wandering, and now they've done some conquering. Um, they conquered the Amorites, and they're making good progress. And uh, so the king of Moab, who's named Balak, just to be confusing, um, he's worried and he calls on this fellow Balaam to put a curse on the Israelites. So Balaam first says he doesn't want to go because he knows that the Israelites are, uh, he can only do what Yahweh does, right? So he goes and he asks Yahweh, uh, what do you think I should do? And Yahweh says, all right, I tell you what, go ahead and go, and go talk to this guy, Balak, but only say what I tell you to say. Mm -hmm. Good enough, end of scene one, he gets on his donkey and he starts going off to go see the king, right? But on the way, he runs into, uh, his donkey won't go forward. And his donkey won't go forward because his donkey sees an angel of God with a sword in front of him on the road. Mm -hmm. This makes Balaam very angry, and so he beats the donkey, and he, the donkey still goes off into a field. The angel goes over into the field with him. This time the donkey steps on his foot, on Balaam's foot. He beats him even more. Then when he tries to make another escape, the angel again with the sword appears, and this time the donkey pushes him against a wall. And finally, it says that God opens the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey tells Balaam, why are you hitting me? Haven't I been a good donkey? Balaam, unfazed by this talking donkey, responds, Shrek style, and uh, explains that why, you know, you won't go where I want you to go, and then God lets him see the angel. Mm -hmm. And again, God says, okay, go ahead and go and talk to these people, but only say what I say. Right? Yeah. That's the end of scene two, talking donkey, angels with swords. Scene three, he goes to the king. The king says, I'm going to give you a lot of money if you put this curse on the Israelites. He says, I can only do what God tells me to do. They build the seven altars. And he, like several different times, he goes and asks God, and God says, don't you dare curse the Israelites. I like the Israelites. The Israelites are some of the best people. And so then um, he doesn't do the cursing, and the king sends Balaam home mm -hmm. without doing the cursing. So that's kind of the story. There's like seven different predictions of times that he says he's not going to curse. Uh, he's not going to curse the Israelites. One interesting point I want to make is that God doesn't say you can't curse the Israelites. They're right. my faves. God says, don't you dare curse the Israelites. They're my faves. So anyway, so that's the, the bones of the story. We talked a little bit before that actually Balaam comes up later and is sort of mentioned as a bad guy. Although it's weird because in this story that we have of Balaam, he's not a bad guy. So Abby, what do you think about the story? So... This is weird. This is one of the stories that we actually do, or not as much we at Chalice, but in general at church, tell kids a lot. Like, partly because, hey, there's a talking donkey, and this is exciting to kids. Um, so I think there is merit in just realizing that we're talking about stories that were part of oral tradition. Yes, thank you. You know, they're part of an oral tradition, so... What story is going to get kids actually listening to whatever story you want the kids to know? Well, tell them something about a talking donkey. 
it's kind of like when you tell them about, oh yeah, Elisha, like there were these kids being mean to him and he just called down bears to eat them. Like there are many eight to 10 year old boys who that is their favorite story ever. Yeah. And I'm guessing the other ones really like this story. Right. So there is value, I think, in that. There's also a very real biblical agenda to set up kind of like these enemies of the Israelites, the Moabites and the Edomites. And, you know, the Edomites are the ones that I had to do the 25 paper, page paper on in seminary. So, like, the truth is, there's not that much there. Like, it's not like, oh, right, you know, these are horrible people, and here's all the way we know they're horrible. It's more like, yeah, so maybe there were some Edomites, like, here-ish, but, like, they're not a whole bunch of them. There's, like, ten books in the second largest theological library in the country that you can get have, like, Edomite info. And the Moabites aren't quite there, but there's also that. Like, so you have a corrupt king. You have a yeah. king who's like, hey, can I pay you to curse the Israelites? Like, would that work out? Also, um, I think something that's interesting from the story is this idea that there was were worshipers or adherents or people who had a relationship with the God of Israel who were not Israelites. And that was that has always been true. Sure. Like that's actually one of those very interesting things. So like um, Jesus is called a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Right. And Melchizedek's deck is before the covenant. Right. So there's something there going on. And that's uh, Moses sees Melchizedek, right? Like, right. In his journeys. Right. And that's like I remember you come across it. You're like, well, this is. Wait a minute. Who's this guy? Right. Yeah. yeah. And his name means righteous king. Like. The whole, like, hey, this is his name. Like, it's Melchi Zedek, like, Righteous King. Right. Um, so you get that, and you get that in the New Testament with, hey, there are these, around conversations of circumcision, there are God-fearers. There are people who are following that, you know, hey, let's not sign it for circumcision and the whole deal, but let's do some of these things. So you kind of get that all the way through that there's somehow people who recognize this God even if they're not fully on board with the Israelite religion. And there's also kind of a difference in treatment of the Edomites in this story and in numbers in general than there is uh, later in, in Deuteronomy. It's like whether the Edomites are, are your friends or not, right? There's like, for example, there's a real question about whether they let them pass through mm -hmm. on the trip. And in one version, they don't. Right. And in the Deuteronomy, they do. Well, it's actually this is Numbers, and I, I don't I think in in Numbers there's there are still bad guys, right? The Edomites are bad guys, I think. I can't I, I, can't I don't remember, remember which ones. I think it is. But... So that's interesting too. I mean, I don't know how much it shapes our faith, but it's interesting to think about the idea that you had these um, various tribes of people kind of walking around that had different relationships from time to time. Right, and like they even have the origin story in the Bible that makes them nasty people. Like, they came from a result of women having sex with their fathers and right. having babies. So, like, this is the Because the Moabites whole, like, were the, from the daughters of Lot. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, and so are the Edomites, one each. Yeah. So, like, this is where it's like, oh, right. I think, like, and the Edomites are from Esau, right? Yeah, I think it's the Moabites yeah. and the Midianites are Lot. I think Esau is the Edomites. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think I there are a couple... Yeah. There are a couple versions. Oh, of where the Edomites come Right, from. but okay. the Edomites are tied to Esau because he was also called Edom, which has both mean red. Yeah. That's anyway, what's neat about maybe you are or are not an actual people, is you can have multiple origins. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's the whole, like, either way we're going to tell you they're bad guys in a lot of different ways. Um, so, 
Let me, let me ask you about from your fundagelical background then. Did people, were there people that thought there was a don talking donkey that spoke to this guy, Balaam, and told him not to do, go walk into the fiery sword of the angel? Yes. I mean, of course, this is exactly how you tell the story. Like, there's a donkey that God made able to talk because God can do whatever God wants to do. And I think there is value in just that whole, like, hey, no, this is a, this is a fable. This is the same as Aesop. It's still, there's, there's some reason to tell the story. It doesn't mean that we need to be worried about donkeys talking. I think unlike Job and um, Jonah and the Tower of Babel and Garden of Eden where I think you can see message coming out. Yeah, um, this one, it's extra weird because it's very hard for me to see the message. Right. I mean, I guess obey God, but he I obeyed mean, God the first time and then God, for no reason, sent an angel to, with a sword to kill him. Right. And, but for his talking donkey, he would have been killed. Right. I mean... It's a fragment of the capricious God, and maybe that's valuable is because of the evolution of God. Because it does sort of have the fragments of this like absolutely capricious God that's a part of the Hebrew tradition that evolves out of. Right. I mean, and that's where I think stories like this become unsettling for Christians in general, not just fundamentalists, but the whole God changing God's mind. Right. Like, clearly. Like, oh yeah, I decided this, and I decided this, and I decided this. And you're like, yeah, so... Which is funny because in one of the oracles from Balaam, he says, he's speaking for God. I'm God, what am I going to do? Change my mind? If I right. say what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Which is hilarious because within this very story, God changes God's mind. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good examination of that. And um, we'll move on to the next topic. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.